0: Today's Dead Idea, this is part five of our series on cuneiform, the world's oldest writing system which was inscribed into clay tablets that survive and convey to us an entire world, including their most intimate moments, which is our focus for today. The love lives of ancient Sumer. That's what we're talking about today on Dead Ideas. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. The music we just heard was composed by Rachel Westoff, my lovely wife, whose favorite ancient romantic comedy remains Sleepless in Sumeria. (laughs) Can you imagine Meg Ryan in a polo's headdress?
1: (laughs) Not even Sleepless in Lakosh?
0: (laughs) Or Tom Hanks in, like, a big sheep Kodakas or something.
1: (laughs) Have to oil all his hair. Yeah,
0: right. With me today, uh, once again, are my co-hosts, Nick and Anna. Hey. We
1: forgot to write jokes, as usual. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but we are still enjoying the Sumerian beer from last time. It's a recording on the same day, so feeling a little rosy. All right, so we've talked tons already about cuneiform and the world it conveys to us, including an entire episode on food and beer last time, in which we actually ate and drank our own attempts to recreate Sumerian food and beer. And it wasn't actually that bad. The fruity pudding thing at the end was was a little off, but yeah, not I didn't mind it so much. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, you know, pine nuts, garlic, fruit. Yeah, <laughs> what's not to love? Yeah, everything you like. <laughs> so check all that out if you want, but you should be able to jump right in today because we are speaking the universal language, the language of love. So... We're going to get hate mail
1: from asexuals now, aren't we? <laughs>
0: yeah, right chickpea
2: flower is not appropriate for every woman in the palace
0: (laughs) so yeah let's talk about sex baby we're going to learn how the ancient sumerians did it and read some erotic love poetry today our era of focus is once again frustratingly vague seems like it always is whether this is sumerian culture or akkadian and so on i have learned a few decoding tricks though if a text mentions inanna that's probably sumerian Whereas if it mentions Ishtar, that's the later Akkadian form. Right. Corresponding goddess, but from more like Babylonian culture. And, and she comes so. up in the
1: sex texts a lot, presumably. So She
0: does, yes. All so. about that sex texting. Yep. And like we mentioned last time, you can, with, with a little practice, kind of start to hear a Sumerian sounding word versus an Akkadian sounding word. So extra points for you if you listen to us enough that you're actually starting to pick up on that.
2: God help you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or if
1: you know better than us and can correct us when we get these wrong, <laughs> right. really extra
0: points that, then. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the real thing here. Okay, so you guys ready for this?
2: Hold on, let me let me take another drink.
0: <laughs> okay, so sex does not seem to have carried the same guilt or shame as it does in our culture, Western culture. Uh, Sumerian writing is quite frank and <clears throat> forthright about it. Uh, Botero says sex was not a problem of conscience, but a natural activity as culturally ennobled as food was elevated by cuisine. Well, that explains the lettuce. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that it was really like you know, like a utopia kind of, of sexual freedom or something, you know, where they just let it all hang out. But I guess in history, that just never seems to pan out. Whenever you think you found a culture like that, it's like now they were just as repressed as, yeah. But anyway... um, There is. It's called the internet. It's not actually that pretty. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Um, But at least they didn't consider it with the same sense of dirtiness. It might have been accompanied by a sense of embarrassment or giggliness or something. Which is kind of like how Japanese culture was when I was there. Sex wasn't something dirty but they were very embarrassed about it in front of other people. So it's kind of Interesting how that works out. In so it's cultures. simultaneously natural and tehe. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sex before marriage was likely looked down upon, at least for the woman, because as we heard, she's expected to be a virgin on her wedding night. But otherwise, sex was apparently seen as pretty much a natural human activity, part of life. And homosexuality and transvestitism, as we heard a little bit last episode, was seen as fairly normal. I mean, in relative standards, you know for cultures throughout world history. I don't know that it was exactly on equal footing with heterosexuality. I kind of doubt that. And kind of with a negative connotation, at least one myth does explain queerness as a failure in one's specific destiny, which for a woman was to become a mother and for a man to take the male role in lovemaking, according to Botero. That was their attitude. But nevertheless, gay and transvestite prostitutes were pretty much all over the place in ancient Mesopotamia and just kind of normal which is that's that's a fairly fair shake as world history goes so next uh, how did the Sumerians do it in the mud (laughs) and
2: we have the indentations to prove it in the mud
1: brick houses
2: (laughs) all right well that's clearly a left buttock and we can infer from the frenzied little motions of what was probably a
0: leg (laughs) (laughs) so we actually learn a fair amount about how the Sumerians did it from divinatory texts believe it or not it's kind of like entrails
2: um, <laughs> <laughs> different
1: significant writing postures.
2: Hmm, this
0: keeps changing. Tempo yeah, seems to have fine. something to do with it. Huh? <laughs> um, omens could be read from unusual positions and locations of lovemaking. Apparently, see. And um. So that's how it made it into the divinatory text.
2: How is that divinatory? I think you have a say in that. I mean, you're basically writing your own destiny here.
0: That's what I wasn't sure because is it like positions and locations in your own love life, or that you kind of stumble upon other people doing, or what? I don't yeah.
2: know. All right, now he's gotten up, he's walked over. Oh, he's in, he's instructed the, the person with the lyre that he wants
0: Vandross. Hmm, what does this mean?
2: <laughs> what? Luther Vandross. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> okay, so anyway, with all this, I'm leading up to what we learned from the divinatory texts, and Plotero, uh, unfortunately, does not actually give us what each specific location or position bodes in terms of a fortune, which in my opinion is such a missed opportunity. It is. But it does leave us free to imagine ourselves. So, here are some of the locations that show up as potentially omen producing. On the roof terrace of the house... Oh, okay, so
1: it's where people are.
0: Locations. Okay. Oh, so it's
2: not like up against the wall, one leg over and... Right. Right. Okay.
0: Well, Never no, mind. Oh, that's coming too. Okay. There's locations... <laughs> There's locations and there's positions. Oh, wow. So for locations, on the roof terrace of the house, on the threshold of the door, Uh. right in the middle of a field or orchard, Uh. in some deserted place,
2: Uh.
0: a no-through road, Uh. in the middle of the street, or a tavern.
1: So it's like when you see your neighbors getting an on in any of these places. Maybe. Maybe.
2: Also, once you get this combined with the, the, the different positions in different locations, I know. suddenly there's a level of complexity here. Yeah, yeah. No yeah. wonder it's a divination thing. I mean, like, what does it mean if you're on the deck? There's a dog over there, and blue jays, and
0: you know.
1: Suddenly, you're seeing turnips. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. How about positions? Uh, and these and all of these are, of course, the unusual ones, not the not the typical ones, since they're omen producing, right? So, unusual positions. Standing on a chair, what? across the bed or across the partner, taking her from behind, sodomizing her, which is anal, anal yeah. sex, I guess. I don't know um, why any scholar continues to use this, the word sodomizing, but whatever. That's the quote.
2: We have linseed oil, right?
0: <laughs> that stuff dries, though. Oh, great. Um, With her astride you, preferring to take the female role. Which I assume sounds like, like, homosexuality or something, or I don't know, being
1: a bottom, yeah, yeah. Which, well, that
0: would be uh,
2: astride, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, or are we talking like, pegging?
1: Think, or with an or with another guy, um, possibly? Yeah, right. I, I assume it means being yeah. penetrated.
0: Yeah.
1: Which, in a lot of cultures, that's all there's really a stigma about, too.
0: Mm, really?
1: Yeah. Mm. Up to and including like prep schools. <laughs>
2: Thank you for your contributions, Britain. <laughs> yeah,
0: hey, I heard about this in Texas. Ah. <laughs> so um, a common scene in Terracotta plaques actually shows a woman drinking beer from a straw while getting taken from behind. So that's kind of interesting. Well, hey, there's Good. a thing right here. We got a straw. And one from Larsa even shows a couple doing it while both of them play musical instruments. So... <laughs> How do you concentrate... You have to be
2: your own soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the
1: that's the chickabow wow. Yeah, it's like Honey, can we put some music on? Uh, the <laughs> tempo's <okay>. kinda nutty.
2: <laughs> Honey, the, the tempo no. No, 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 that's fine, but but you're playing too fast.
0: <laughs> also, anal sex is mentioned fairly commonly. It's 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 mentioned in the unusual positions as we saw, but it's also f- very, fairly common. And that's both for women and men. And it's even mentioned as a form of contraception. There's even, there's at least one priestess who part of her priestess role was she wasn't supposed to have children. It's like forbidden for her. So she was like, oh, I know how to do it. <laughs> oh, so, good. Yeah. Evangelical contraception. Yep. Interestingly, though, in all that we get of Mesopotamian lovemaking, there's no mention at all of oral intercourse on either, like, Man on woman, or woman on man, or man on man, or woman on woman. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, which is kind of strange because we have a whole bunch of it attested in ancient Egyptian literature. Huh. But in Mesopotamia, apparently, it just wasn't wasn't their thing. Cultural divides. Yeah. yeah. So basically,
2: Egyptians believed in having a lot more bird heads and scarabs and chowing down.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Sorry. Tangent. Conversation. Did the Sumerians and Akkadians circumcise? Good question think egyptians did did they but i'm not sure okay i'm pretty much the entire muslim world does as well most of the middle east
0: that would make sense given yeah. the veneration of the people of the book and how much that they actually you know adopted from jewish culture and christian culture although christian culture even it's at that a, time wasn't really a i don't thing. think it's a christian thing at all at the it's, time i don't yeah. think it was is really I, just, I don't I mean, think it
1: still is. Most it's just, just American. It's an it's American really, thing. It's yeah. not a European thing at all. Yeah. Interesting maps on this on Wikipedia, if you're curious, folks. Um, why were you looking at maps?
0: Up? Yeah, maps of the diffusion of circumcision. Yeah.
1: Huh. One more side tangent hmm. about the oral sex thing. They ate a lot of garlic. Oh, that's
0: <laughs> a good. One. Oh
2: God, no. Okay, you know <laughs>
0: what? I understand why. Never mind. It all falls into place. Interesting. Um, so anyway, moving on, uh, impotence was known as a problem as in all ages. And we had to have spells that seem to be designed to overcome it. Didn't manage to get any of those actually copied in here, but I definitely saw some. Um, there was also a de- disease that was more sentimental and here is a doctor's description of it. I'm going to see if you guys can guess what the disease is. Porphyria. <laughs> Tuberculosis. <laughs> When the patient is continually clearing his throat, is often lost for words, is always talking to himself when he is quite alone, and laughing for no reason in the corners of the fields, is habitually depressed, his throat tight, finds no pleasure in eating, endlessly repeating with great sighs, ah, my poor heart. What's the diagnosis?
1: Does he tack up tacky love poetry onto trees and...
2: (laughs) is he is he listening to the cure (laughs)
0: probably both of those yes Mm. uh
2: postgraduate
0: yeah postgraduate depression yeah (laughs) no it's love sickness okay so
2: tuberculosis (laughs)
0: yeah um so there were some sexual taboos in this culture incest was one as is common sex with pregnant women, close to delivery was another, and a third was sex with women reserved for the gods, that is priestesses or nuns that were married to a deity. Hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Though in some cases, like I mentioned,
1: Anal was fine.
0: Yeah, you're mainly forbidden to have children, right. whereas whatever acts you actually engaged upon were a bit of your own business really. So, Anyway, we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the business duns. Uh, so to sum up, basically Mesopotamians like to get it on. so Yay. And they were, like I said, they were very frank and forthright about this in their writing, but not artless. In fact, their erotic poetry is some of the most beautiful that I've ever encountered. For example, and we've heard this one before, he has sprouted, he has burgeoned, he is lettuce planted by the water. He is the one my womb loves best. I mean, that's as way, as metaphors for hard-ons go, that's a pretty beautiful yeah, way pretty to put poetic. it. Yeah, that's <laughs> pretty poetic. You know? um, this but is not, the
2: lettuce I want in my stuff. But yes. they did
0: not ignore the female form by any means either. In poetry, female genitals are not euphemized. In fact, they're often the center of attractiveness, more so even than breasts. For example, My vulva, the horn, the boat of heaven, is full of eagerness like the young moon. My untilled land lies fallow. As for me, Inanna, who will plow my vulva? Who will plow my high field who will plow my wet ground? I've heard
1: that one before,
0: actually. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: It's kind of hard to riff off of, really. It's all just right there. <laughs>
0: it's all <laughs> just <laughs> all right there. It's all just right there. The boat of Heaven. That's the title on the back of the CD cover. Hmm. <laughs> um, like
2: featuring Nicki Minaj. <laughs>
0: <laughs> As for the Sumerian perception of the female body, and we get this both through the literature and through figurines and things that we've found, Yeah, it's kind of interesting. We know something of their ideal female figure, which is, of course, something that varies wildly across times and cultures. And listeners, if you want to get just a sense of that even today, how much variety there is, there was a really interesting study called Perceptions of Perfection, which you can Google... And it invited graphic designers from countries all over the world to Photoshop the same female model to fit their culture's idea of the perfect body. Hmm. So they had this one picture of a model, and then everybody had to adjust it really? to make it look like this is how it would, it would be, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, some of the countries, like, totally gave her, a, like, a, quite a full figure and, like, different proportions of hips to breasts. And, you know, it was really pretty interesting.
2: Three-headed dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Three-headed
0: dragon. (laughs) A little more lens
2: flare on that one head.
0: There. So anyway, for the Mesopotamian ideal female form, Zainab Bahrani in Women of Babylon, Gender and Representation in Mesopotamia, discusses a kind of figurine that's called the seductress, for better or worse, whether that's appropriate or not for this figurine. I won't comment, but she says, What ideal of femininity does this image propose? All these figures are generally slim and have rounded hips and breasts that are neither small nor exaggerated. Either the pubic triangle is outlined with incised lines and a central vertical incision to indicate the separation of the labia, or the pubic hair is indicated by a series of parallel diagonal lines in rows, chevron pattern, or curls, in which case the separation of the labia is not always visible. The hair is generally shoulder length and worn loose, with a fillet around the forehead. Is that the way to pronounce that? Fillet? I don't
2: know. Never had one.
0: Okay. I've never worn a fillet either. Alternatively, we lived. <laughs> clearly not much of a seductress. Excuse
2: me, I have a very clearly incised pubic area.
0: <laughs> Alternatively, it is braided into numerous thick braids that hang to the shoulders in loops and frame the youthful and rounded face. And she also adds, none of the visual representations of nude women from Mesopotamia display a taboo of particular body parts or represent a woman in the act of attempting to conceal her nudity from the viewer. If shame was in any way associated with a nude female body, it was not expressed visually. So, food for thought. Kind of interesting to think about.
2: We really want to know how their advertising
0: works. Yeah, right. <laughs> Bahrani also Ship notes. Pea flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Maharani also notes that the sexuality of the female form in Sumerian culture was not veiled or hidden in a bashful way. Figurines show a female figure gesturing to breasts and vagina, and some consider this a fertility allusion, but she thinks it's really just calling attention to the straight-up attractiveness of the female form. Check it out. Exactly. As for the male form... Curly locks of hair hanging down to the shoulders seems to have been the primo attractive trait. That's about as much as I could find about that. But oh, there it you looks go. like Fabio. So hair metal, basically. Yeah. Was... <laughs> a, well-oiled a well oiled beard with lots of ringlets. Exactly. A well oiled beard with lots of ringlets. Yep. So. Grab on, to. <laughs> I wanted to throw in at least a little bit there on men, but lots of Well, you know he's I got
2: oil find. if he's got that stuff, so that's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good sign. So back to women. Women's sexuality in general seems to have been both circumscribed and highly empowered at the same time. On the one hand, as we've seen, women are expected to be virgins at marriage, so their sexual- sexuality would have been tightly controlled by their family and whatnot. They were uh, essentially the property of male relatives, so much that if you were a man and had sex with an unmarried free woman, the law said that you had to give your wife to the father of the woman that you had sex with. I'm like thinking that's probably slave? in the Hammurabi thing. Yeah.
2: Wow, cheating just got a whole new level of horrible dimension right yeah. there.
0: But if you work out what the logic of that is, it, it kind of sounds like replacing broken property more yeah. than totally. anything else. So,
2: Honey, I have to tell you something. Also, you're living here now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you have no wife to give, then you have to pay a sum of money instead. Meanwhile, the only penalty for the man was to marry the woman that he had sex with.
1: Figured that.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's all too common in old cultures. Though her father might not consent to the marriage, and he might actually demand the money instead. Oh, okay. That's that's at least least an interesting twist on that.
1: So what happens to the woman after that, then, if she doesn't get to get married but has a price paid off for
0: her? Good question. Like, what happens to her reputation? Yeah. I would be interested to know. I yeah,
2: don't know because if there's a high priority on, again, as you say, virgins, and you're not one anymore, and you've been paid off,
1: like, is it okay to go into business nunning as being post virginal, or I don't know if you don't have kids or, or
0: accountancy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So that kind of gives us a picture of how women's sexuality was kind of tightly controlled. But on the other hand, though. In the literature, it often does come across as quite highly empowered. It tends to portray women as not particularly bashful or demure about their sexuality. They can even appear quite assertive. Point to breast.
2: (laughs) Point to breast. Yeah.
0: For example, in uh, a hymn called Abalbale to Inanna as Nanaya, the lines go Do not dig a canal, let me be your canal. Do not plow a field, let me be your field. Farmer, do not search for a damp place, let me be your damp place.
1: And how are we going (laughs) to
0: eat?
2: I don't think you understand agriculture. Um, These things are necessary.
0: I'm trying to plant this lettuce by the river. It's not going so great. (laughs) (laughs) Also on this, Botero writes, In a society so apparently macho, as we say today, In the matter of lovemaking, woman was really man's equal. She had just as much right to pleasure as he, and was neither an object nor an instrument, but a real partner. So at least that's the opinion of this one scholar. But to back that up at least a little bit, I did find that there was an expression for the man's ability to carry his female partner unfailingly to orgasm. It was nishi libi, and it literally means lifting the heart.
2: See you kind of need that for pulmonary reasons.
0: Again, I'm a little bit literal on that one, but yeah
2: <laughs> well all this talk about fields is making me
0: confused. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we might be going back to the whole um, wandering uterus idea from a hysteria yes. series. <laughs> anyway, it is interesting that any potential any attention at all is paid to female orgasm. That to me is interesting.
2: Well, a lot of societies though did think like, okay, you came therefore you're, you' you've conceived. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a common thing. So considering they seem to be all about their, hey, you're only fulfilled if you're married and reproducing, that could be it. Hmm. It's like, hey, she's virile. Look. I mean, well, he's virile. He made his partner come. That means she's going to, you know, start popping out
0: kids. That seems like an easily disproved hypothesis. Mm -hmm. But then again, those things kind of still went that way.
2: Well, hey, people can write in.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Presumably. (laughs) No, I mean, it, was, it would have been easily disproved by the cultures in old times when she doesn't conceive after orgasming.
2: Well, then again, you know, the whole barren thing has a diff- different layer of stigma. It's like, oh, yeah, you can, you can infer what a great lay he is.
0: Yeah. Even more empowered in his literature that seems to be associated with prostitution, which was one of the ways that a woman could be sexually assertive within the bounds of society, at least to some extent. There may even have been temple prostitutes, although as we'll hear in a future episode, recent scholars have called into question whether that actually existed in ancient Mesopotamia. For now, I just want to highlight how it relates to women's sexual expression. So here's a hymn entitled Ishtar Will Not Tire, which just might be the ultimate example of sexual assertiveness in literature of all time i've ever read all right Um, have you read i claudius (laughs) i haven't maybe i should but nevertheless um this one's pretty far out there so um this is actually a hymn with a chorus that repeats after each line so i'll let you guys be the chorus if you would no (laughs) No. (laughs) no the chorus line is the city is built on pleasure Okay, so and rock can... and roll! <laughs> we built this city <laughs> right.
1: We built this city on <laughs> female orgasm We <laughs> built this city
0: <laughs> Alright, so you ready? So you can repeat that after each line right? Okay, one comes up to her The city, the city is, is built, built on, on pleasure. pleasure Come here, give me what I want The city is built on pleasure Come here, let me touch your vulva The city is built on pleasure Since I'm ready to give you all that you want this
2: city is built on pleasure.
0: Get all the young men of your city together. This city is built on pleasure. Let's go to the shade of the wall. The, the city, city is built, built on pleasure. So what kind of omen is that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good yeah. question. S- uh, <laughs> seven for her midriff, seven for her loins. This city is built on pleasure. Sixty, then sixty, satisfy themselves in turn upon her nakedness. This city, city is, is built, built on, on pleasure, pleasure and a lot of men- lube. <laughs> <laughs> Young men have tired. Ishtar will not tire. The city, the city is built on pleasure. Go on with it, fellows, for my lovely Volva. The city is built on pleasure. As the girl demanded, the city is, city is built, built on, on pleasure. The young man hated gave her what she asked for. The city, city is built on pleasure. And that is Ishtar will not tire.
1: <laughs> so 60 and 60 and 7 and 7, right? Yeah. That's a lot. So 134. Messalina's count was only in the 60s, right?
2: Yeah. Okay, so yeah,
1: it does top by Claudius slash Suetonius oh, yeah. tells Caesar's. Yeah, was it was it around sixty something, right? Am I remembering that
2: right? Well, I'm I'm a little perplexed that you remember the number.
0: <laughs> uh oh, somebody's part in are trouble. What parts were you
2: reading? I was reading about the conquest in Gaul.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> So that's about as bold a picture of female sexuality as I can personally imagine. We could
2: totally set that to music. We need to get Rachel on some synthesizers laid out of fat That's beat. true. Yeah,
0: right.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's what you play on your instruments together as...
2: <laughs> the city is... Okay, come on, come on, come on. No, 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 <laughs> no slow
0: down. So, um, you know, as far as like the tightly circumscribed but also empowered, I, c- I can see it being in multiple different ways. I could see it be like... There are different roles that you can just kind of fit yourself into within the society, some of which are tighter and some of which are, um, you know... Loser. Stop oh. it. <laughs> but it could also be that, you know, once, you know, you're within the role, like marriage, that, you know, where sex is ex- accepted, it's not that big of a deal, you know? I don't know. I don't know.
1: So anyway. So what city was it that was built on pleasure?
0: Good question. Las Vegas. I was like Lagosh or Ur. Probably Uruk, maybe, if it was, like, I think Uruk was big into Anana, which then would be Ishtar later, so I don't know.
1: Listeners, be glad we didn't read you the poem, This City is Built on Accountancy, though that <laughs> might come up in the business none
0: episode. Yeah. It yeah. It's possible it might. The characters yeah.
2: we role played take a sudden, you know. Hmm.
0: Okay, so to move toward literature itself now, love and sexuality provided a rich backdrop for creative expression, just as it does today in any good pop song. So here are a number of poem titles. So you have to kind of imagine this, you know, Finding these at the record store as you're flipping through the vinyl albums. Featuring these you know. hits. Yeah. This is it's literally just a list of titles, right?
2: <laughs> just scrolling by like a time life call in yeah. yeah. Knocks
0: off balls to the wall. Yeah.
2: This is,
1: you this hit is, me all you shook me all night long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is like flipping through the BMG music catalog yeah. or something. <laughs> okay, so here's one. Ah how I would wink my right eye at you.
2: Wasn't that Sweden's entry into Eurovision to yourself? <laughs> it, it got next... weird
0: when they put a rock in. Yeah. <laughs> next, oh my little bird, my turtle dove, you moan like one who laments.
1: <laughs>
0: and... <laughs> Sorry. That was pretty dear. <laughs> and last, and my personal favorite, it is he, the gardener of the garden of love. <laughs>
2: That's really kind of the 60s cornball title. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I Waiting know. for the Gardener of Love.
0: Oh, that's oh. funny. Okay, I, I was taking a different direction. I was like, some people call me the space cowboy. <laughs> some <laughs> people call me the Gardener of Love. <laughs> it could be like the
1: perceptions perfection thing. Yeah. Get everyone to write songs based yeah. on these titles. <laughs>
0: Dude, oh man, that would
2: be a great come, Yeah, write my. us,
0: write us in, people, with your Sumerian love poem titles. Okay, so um, yeah, so so like today's rock and pop Mesopotamian poetry was just chock full of love, lust, and erotic symbolism. And Bertman writes, the origin of the poetic similes and metaphors was the agrarian society in which the Mesopotamian poet lived and the rich material culture that grew from it. This reservoir of imagery is evident in the examples above, but also in the poetic terms of reference applied to the body's sexual organs. Thus, the penis sprouts, and when erect, is compared to a straight stalk of barley. So there's something other than a lettuce stalk, I guess. The trunk of an apple tree, a stout pillar of hard alabaster, or the taut string of a lyre. Hmm.
2: What's like agricultural that. about alabaster?
0: Uh, or liars. I don't know. Yeah. But you pubic... ever seen the alabaster fields
1: in full bloom? <laughs> <laughs> it's glorious.
0: <laughs> pubic hair is called wool or tufted lettuce. The vagina is described as wet, either as an irrigated garden watered by semen or as an incense-bearing tree flowing with sap. And the clitoris is spoken of as a little bird. So... No. <laughs> no. So as these illustrations show, Sumerian poetry could be sensually explicit and anatomically graphic.
1: Let me scribe upon your moist clay with my heart stylus.
0: Is it made out of alabaster?
1: <laughs> no, it's an apple tree. It's, it's getting confusing. St- st-
0: stuck in the sap. <laughs> get it get... Bertman continues. Passion for its part was likened to a hunger for bread or beer. Infatuation to the sticky pitch that clings to a boat's hull. What? Yeah, like to seal up yeah, the you... boards, I guess.
2: Well, I... Okay, yeah. I like, okay, I guess hungry for caulk, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, not,
1: like, not that you're hungry for pitch. It's you're stuck
2: to... I was trying to make a caulk joke. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> you just... You just... You knew that. Oh, caulk. Yes.
0: Sorry, that took me a minute. At last, I'm not the last one to get a pun.
2: Okay, you know what? I don't think there's enough alcohol in the stuff we made.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And intercourse to digging a canal or plowing a field. That one's not as surprising. F- um, yeah. In coarse love charms, which would be short poems recited to secure a woman's affections by magic power, the copulation craved by the sorcerer's clients was gleefully <clears throat> compared to the activity of rutting swine or dogs in heat. Uh. In other poems, as the following passages reveal, writers transmuted base impulse into high art. Me so horny (laughs) (laughs) Two live crew. (laughs) (laughs) So, for example, here's a few that I found that I thought qualified as that transmutation. Tell your mother I was with my girlfriend. Tell your mother we were strolling in the square. Tell your mother we heard music and she danced with me. All the while, in the moonlight, I will sit on my bed, loosening the combs from your hair, holding you in my arms. Lie to her. And lie with me. I promise I'll believe. (laughs) (laughs) Just please don't leave me. Yeah. That definitely that should be like a good eighties ballad of something. Yeah, that is an eighties ballad. (laughs) Another one as a general advance against my position and I shall withdraw to the bedroom. Shut up, Morrissey. (laughs) (laughs) A next one. As a soldier, March against my lines and I shall retreat to bed. Well, I think that was part of the same one. Ah. Here's another one, though.
1: Outflank me and come around upon, and I shall um... <laughs> uh,
2: uh, rain down.
0: Take me by the flank. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, here's another one, though. Like a bridge, I will span you, your waters surging beneath me. Like a threshold, I will cross you, thrusting through your gate.
1: Wow, Paul Simon was dirtier than I thought.
0: Nice. <laughs> like a bridge, <laughs> I will span you. <laughs>
2: yeah, now all you need is people arguing that's really about heroin addiction. Yeah. All
0: right. Um,
2: and finally, hey
1: baby, one about. Is your about... water troubled?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: Hey, is your water troubled? <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Do I trouble your water?
2: Oh, wow.
0: And finally, one uh, about counting the time. You have wasted the day, wasted the night. You have squandered the moon and stars. For all these hours, my door stood unlocked. The last century rounds the walls. Come to me now before the dawn.
2: Anticipation.
0: <laughs> that one is a little sweet. That is actually pretty yeah, good. Some of these are really yeah. neat. Yeah. Here's one that's a recipe for passion. Take Maybe a two little... Parts
1: of
2: barley flour. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> some rum chata yeah. something <laughs> I didn't tape. tell you last, from R the last Kelly. episode yep. I made this exact one you all ate it so <laughs> um, anyway no the uh, recipe for passion squeeze yourself into me as the hand presses flour into an open cup pound yourself into me as the fist rams flour into a cup craving to be filled for those I think of you... we didn't make the bread right yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> we really must have messed something up yeah
0: And finally, an elegy to a dead lover. Your lover is coming, she said. Be ready. He comes from a faraway place now. He comes by an alien road. He comes like a dragonfly, silent above the stream. Like a mist floating across the mountains, I clothe his empty chair. Wow. Yeah. Poignant. Well, I have one more thing to finish out this episode. And it's kind of a surprise for you guys. I didn't really like tell Now you about we're this. nervous. Oh, boy. But I have something a little special planned. Oh hell. Ah. Where's my drink? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a cycle of love poems between a woman and a man. The goddess Inanna and her lover Dimuzi. Mm-hmm. And these would likely have been performed at an annual festival renewing the bonds between the king and the goddess. I think it was mainly at Uruk, and in the, it was a New Year festival called Akitu.
1: Was the goddess after a horse?
0: No, that was <laughs> India. Okay. Or possibly Ireland. It gets confusing. But, Nick and Anna? Oh boy. I would like to invite you to read the roles <laughs> Knew it. <laughs> you
1: and Rachel should do have to do some.
0: I want to be Irish Kegel. I don't want to be a Nana. <laughs> well, I am not above some gender-bending. I don't think we need to be gender-bound in choosing our roles, so if you want to be Dumuzi, you certainly can. How about and it? And vice versa.
2: Who's taking the female role? <laughs> <laughs> what, wait, what, is this not an and her just, like, continual vulva-pointing thing, or more of her, like, I'm the big angry pile of ran- angry?
0: Um, the big angry pile of angry was more like the hymns to her furious glory, but this is more the courtship between them. Furious
1: Glory is a um, metaphor for Volva, though, right?
0: <laughs> Everything's a metaphor
2: for Volva. Weren't you listening?
0: No, there are a lot where she's like the goddess of war. And it's like, you destroyed this mountain or this creature or everything.
2: You won't hump me, so the bull of heaven's gonna step on you.
0: <laughs> well, that was more part of Gil- Gilgamesh. But anyway, so how about it? Okay. And, All right.
2: And, but we're and. gender bending.
0: All right. Okay, gender bending it is.
2: Well, hang on. I'm pouring myself some more of this stuff, which has no alcohol. I'm convinced of it. <sighs> somewhat relatedly recording is so much easier okay, okay. when we're blitzed
0: okay so inanna here's your script nick all right and dumuzi here's your script anna uh, thank you. and then i am the narrator and the brother which is the sun god utu in this myth okay all right <laughs> inanna ready? oh no 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 you don't start I started. Oh, sorry. You didn't have a line until. The... No, oh, wait, have... no, actually. Oh, right. Yeah, at the very top. That was just to say that's an. I know. Script.
1: So actually, I'm assuming you can say the courtship of.
0: Yeah, that's not even part of the deal. <laughs> Come on. It's highlighted. Title. <laughs> De Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So we can imagine putting on this like kind of like a mystery play, in ancient Uruk sometime around 3000 BCE. Right. Though who knows how old these hymns really are they could have been composed long before writing began and we just got them around yeah. that time. who knows so you guys come out on stage and before we start what kind of costumes do you think you want to be wearing
1: i want to be wearing one of those things like the kibeli
0: oh great mother like, things it's just like all, <laughs> breasts all of, the like, breasts all the way around <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: anna covered in tits. So yep. that's
0: the, the Artemis of Ephesus, or Artemis oh, of Ephesus. Ephesus, and yeah. Ephesus, yes. I would never know how to pronounce those things. I've read, interestingly, that that might have not have actually been what they thought it was. Make all these breasts, God, but really... It makes more
1: sense not, really. It's it so... kind
0: of, there's no nipples on them, yeah. and they actually look more like fruit. And it might have been like a special breastplate worn by priests. That's what I read. But nobody really knows. Or for possibly
1: sure. she's an advertising slogan for the local orchard, sort of like the Chiquita Banana Lady.
2: Yeah, okay, that would
0: make sense. That would make pretty she's much sense. She's Carmen Miranda. Yeah. <laughs> she's covered
2: in buboes.
0: Okay. Uh, so, anyway, so you're wearing... I want one of those. Okay, so you've got one Hi. of those multi breasted um, costumes. Yeah, on. it's actually all bread. All, all boppier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's nothing but boppier. Small
2: birds are bravely coming up and taking pieces off while you're on stage.
0: Okay. How but about since
1: they're our... dressed as an they're copulating the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's.
2: How about
0: Demuzi? What's Demuzi look like?
2: free headed dragon. <laughs> okay. um, well, he's a shepherd, right? Yep.
0: Like a shepherd. A shepherd. Just, okay.
2: You know, it's it's probably oily and is, covered is, in. Is mm-hmm. he well oiled? Yeah, you know it.
1: Does he have a lion skin on his back? Um, because just... probably. No, he just killed the young lion that came to try and eat his sheep to show his general badassery.
0: Okay, mm, maybe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it looks cool. Sure. Okay, I'm down with that. All right, shall we begin?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay,
0: so this is the uh, the courtship of Anana and Demuzi. And these are excerpts taken from uh, the telling by Diane Volkstein, who's uh she's actually a professional storyteller. And she hmm. got her sources from scholars like Kramer and Jakobson, And so it actually it's actually legit. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. We begin with an outdoor scene on an estate overlooking a field ready for harvest.
1: Oh, look at my field ready for harvest.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> The brother spoke to his younger sister. The sun god Utu spoke to Anana, saying, Young lady. I should give him like a steepest Chevy voice or something. Yeah. I can't do a steepest Chevy voice. Who should I do? Can you do Christopher Walken? <laughs> oh, no! This is supposed to be erotic! <laughs> Walken. Young lady, the flex in its fullness is Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Continue. Yes. Good, but not enough sheep's bell. Not quite. (laughs) (laughs) Inanna, the grain is glistening in the furrow. I will hoe it for you. I will bring it to you. A piece of linen, big or small, is always needed. Inanna, I will bring it to you.
1: Brother, after you brought me the flax, who will comb it for me?
0: Sister, I will bring it to you combed.
1: Utu, after you brought it to me combed, who will spin it for me?
0: Inanna, I will bring it to you spun.
1: Brother, after you've brought me the flax to me spun, who will braid it for me?
0: Sister, I will bring it to you, braid it.
1: Utu, after you've brought it to me braided, who will wrap warp it for me?
0: Sister, I will bring it to you woven.
1: Utu, after you've bring it to me woven, who will bleach it for me?
0: Inana, I will bring it to you bleached. Brother, after you've brought my
1: bridal sheet to me, who will go to bed with me? Utu, who will go to bed with me?
0: Okay, this is simple. It. Sister, your bridegroom will go to bed with you He who was born from a fertile womb (laughs) He who was conceived on the sacred marriage throne Demuzi the shepherd He will go to bed with you
1: No brother, the man of my heart works the hoe (laughs) Farmer, (laughs) he is the man of my heart He gathers the grain into great heaps He brings the grain regularly into my storehouses
0: Sister, marry the shepherd why are you unwilling? His cream is good. Yeah! His milk is good. Whatever he touches shines brightly. Inanna, marry Demuzi, You who adorn yourself with the agate necklace of fertility, why are you unwilling? Demuzi will share his rich cream with you. Yeah, well, will! You who are meant to be the king's protector, why are you unwilling?
1: The shepherd? I will not marry the shepherd. His clothes are coarse. His wool is rough. I will marry the farmer. The farmer grows flax for my clothes. The farmer grows barley for my
0: table. Then in strides, Dumuzi the shepherd. Why do you speak
2: about the farmer? Why do you speak about him? If he gives you black flour, I will give you black wool. If he gives you white flour, I will give you white wool. If he gives you beer, I will give you sweet milk. If he gives you bread, I'll give you honey cheese. I'll give the farmer my leftover cream. I'll give the farmer my leftover milk.
1: Can I watch?
2: You know it. I mean... That doesn't mean anything, but... Why do you speak about the flower? Why does he have more than I do?
1: Shepherd, without my mother, Ningalik, you'd be driven away. Oh, here we go. Without my grandmother, Ninikuga, you'd be driven into the steps. Without my father, Nana, you'd have no roof. Without my brother... Utu,
2: Nana, do not start a quarrel. My father Enki is as good as your father Nana. My mother Sita is as good as your mother Ningal. My sister Gestinana is as good as yours, Queen of the Palace. Let us talk it over, Nana. Let us sit and speak together. I'm as good as Utu. Enki is as good as Nana. Sita is as good as Ningal, Queen of the Palace. Let us talk it over.
0: The word they had spoken was a word of desire.
2: Obviously!
0: <laughs> From the starting of the quarrel came the lover's desire. Then Demuzi the shepherd goes to uh, Inanna's house with gifts of cream received by her mother, Ningal. Ningal then tells Inanna that she is to marry Demuzi. This
1: cream is great.
0: And Inanna prepares to meet him. Inanna, at her mother's command... Bathed and anointed herself with scented oil. Then and fish. <laughs> she covered her body with the royal white robe. She ready her dowry. She arranged her precious lapis beads around her neck. She took her seal in her hand. Dumuzi waited expectantly. What the
2: hell are you doing in there?
0: <laughs> Finally, Anana appears in all her beauty. I'm not sure if they meet and speak in private here in this next part or if they're actually supposed to be in front of everybody, including the family, but anyway, their ensuing love speech is as frank as it is poetic. Oh,
2: I got such a boner!
0: (laughs) Inanna opened the door for him. Inside the house, she shone before him, like the light of the moon. Demuzi looked at her joyously. He pressed his neck close against hers. He kissed her.
1: What I tell you, let the singer weave into song. What I tell you, let it flow from ear to mouth. Let it pass from old to young. My vulva, the horn, the boat of heaven, is full of eagerness like the young moon. My untilled land lies fallow. As for me, Inanna, who will plow my vulva? Who will plow my high field? Who will plow my wet ground? As for me, the young woman, who will plow my vulva? Who will station the ox there? Who will plow my vulva? Rayleigh,
2: lady, the king will plow your vulva! i the Moosie the King will plow that vulva.
1: And plow
0: my vulva man of my heart. Plow my vulva. Yeah,
2: you know it. You got some Boston, you got some Journey playing. We're going to do it now.
0: I can't believe that most of what you're hearing, listener, is actually in the cuneiform script. Some of it, no, obviously not. But anyway. Parts about Journey are there. It's a very interesting interpretation. I'll give you that. Okay, moving on. I think on. I
1: mystery play this. <laughs>
0: At the king's lap stood the rising cedar. Plants grew high by their side. Grains grew high by their side. Gardens flourished luxuriantly.
1: Oh, he has sprouted, he has burgeoned, he has lettuce planted by the water. He is the one my womb loves best. My well-stocked garden of the plain, my barley growing high in its furrow, my apple tree which bears fruit up to its crown. He is lettuce planted by the water. Yeah! My honey man, my honey man sweetens me always. You know it. My lord, the honey man of the gods, he is the one my womb loves best. His hand is honey, his foot is honey. Ooh, I love that thing you did with your foot. He sweetens me always. My eager, impetuous caresser of the navel.
2: That's um, your navel, oh! <laughs>
1: my caresser of the soft thighs. He is the one my womb loves best. He is lettuce planted by the water, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, you do. Oh, lady, your breast is your field, and your breast is your field. No,
1: it's the navel. No, I told it's... you, the caressing the navel.
2: Look, I'm working an extended metaphor here, okay? Look, your broad field pours out plants. Your broad field pours out grain. Water flows from on high for your servant. Bread flows out from on high for your servant. I don't think that's how bread works. <laughs> Pour it out for me, Inanna. I will drink all you offer!
0: The two enjoy a tryst, and Inanna is love's. There you are!
1: Last night as I, the Queen of Heaven, was shining bright. Last night as I, the Queen of Heaven, was shining bright. As I was shining bright and dancing, singing praises at the coming of the night, he met me, he met me, my lord Dumuzi met me, he put his hand into mine, he pressed his heart neck close against mine, my high priest is ready for the holy loins, my lord Dumuzi is ready for the holy loins, the plants and the free herbs in his field are ripe, oh Dumuzi, your
2: fullness is my delight. Yeah, you know it.
0: She called for it, she called for it, she called for the bed. She's
2: called for it, all right.
0: She called for the bed that rejoices the heart, she called for the bed that sweetens the loins, She called for the bed of kingship. She called for the bed of queenship. Inanna called for the bed. Oh, let the bed that rejoices the heart be
1: prepared. Let the bed that sweetens the loins be prepared. Let the bed of kingship be prepared. Let the bed of queenship be prepared. Let the royal bed be prepared.
0: Inanna spread the bridal sheet across the bed. She called to the king. The bed is ready. She called to the bridegroom. Oh, the bed is waiting. Hang
2: on, I gotta take a dump! (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh Oh my The two are married and enjoy the wedding night A lot of really
1: good dances there, weren't there?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Afterward, Inanna basks in the afterglow
1: My My beloved, the delight of my eyes Met me, we rejoiced together He took his pleasure of me He brought me into his house Yeah, I did he laid me down in the fragrant honey bed. My sweet love lying by my heart, tongue playing one by one. My fair Dumuzi did so 50 times. Yeah,
2: I did. The now, girls love that. I mean, uh, the other... Uh.
1: Now my sweet love is sated. Now, he says, set me free, my sister, set me free. You will be a little daughter to my father. Come, my beloved sister, I would go to the palace. Set me free. I'm going but this city is smokes. built on pleasure. Look, <laughs> I... Inanna is not sated. Oh, Inanna is never sated.
2: I'm going out for some smokes.
1: Bring me back some young men.
2: What? <laughs> Do I look like I know I don't pick up young men?
1: Bring me the farmer.
2: Oh, God. And all his Get farm hands. The farmer.
1: <laughs> My blossom bear, your allure was sweet. My blossom bear in the apple orchard, Dumuzi Abzu, your allure was sweet.
2: That's what they say. My
1: fearless one, my holy statue. Wait, what? My statue outfitted with sword and lapis lazuli diadem. Uh-oh. How sweet was your your allure, my perfect sacrificial victim. What? Oh, my beautiful, virile young bull headed Wait. for the slaughter. Wait, what's that you did? Ready <laughs> to be led down to the kingdom of Erish Kiggle to take my place. Why can't I so continue to fertilize the heavens? Um, oh, your allure was sweet, my pretty, pretty thing.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I kind of, um... The <laughs>
0: where
1: are so... those farm hands <laughs> the city was built on pleasure so
0: that is the courtship women of... okay. was that Sinbad at the end there come on <laughs> so that is the courtship of Inanna and Dumuzi and this Sumerian love story is tinged with a little bit of tragedy though.
2: no kidding <laughs>
0: As Queen of Heaven, Anana gets a bug in her bonnet to visit the Underworld, but once she's there, she's actually not allowed to leave, until finally a deal. My is... sister is such a bitch. Here, <laughs> sister Eris Kegel. Yes. Yeah. Queen of the Total Underworld. Total bitch. Yes. Well, why'd you go and see her? You can come too. <laughs> finally, a deal is brokered where she's set free, but only on the, upon the condition that a substitute take her place down below, and she names none other than Demuzi as her scapegoat who was carried off down to the underworld. Typical. However, Dumuzi's loyal sister Geshtunana volunteers to take his place for part of the year, so that he can return to the world and to Inanna. And this actually becomes uh, this, you know, annual ascent and descent of Dumuzi becomes the Sumerian just-so story for the seasons so
2: i'm sure that this is not at all an awkward reconciliation and every time he comes back <laughs> yeah
0: right <laughs> and there's a there's probably like a young kid who's like i don't want to know you dad where were you when i was growing up yeah. your mother's
2: crazy that's not my fault <laughs> all i did was plow that field
0: <laughs> okay thank you guys thank you i'm glad we yeah. can class this up <laughs> so that folks is the courtship of Anana and Demirzi. And with that um, somewhat questionable conclusion <laughs> and performance, um, we end our episode on the. What do you mean? Our performance was great. <laughs> performance knew, was fantastic. I knew you were hiding your accent in Nana.
1: <laughs> well, we did the gender swap rules, didn't we? Why don't you show me your real accent now? <clears throat>
2: okay. What I tell you, let the weaver weave into song. What I tell you, let it flow from ear to mouth. My vulva, the horn, the boat of heaven, is full of eagerness like the young moon. My untilled land lays fallow. (laughs) Who will plow my vulva? Who will plow my high field? Who will plow my wet ground? Who will station the ox there? Who will plow this vulva?
0: I don't know which was more annoying.
2: I got noids. And if I can find someone who will do that. You might know that. This farmer was going to give it to me.
1: We can have alternate ringtones. Yes. For depending on who calls you, you can get multiple variants of. Who will plow my vulva? It'll be
0: just like Siri, where you can have it in multiple different accents. Who
1: will plow my vulva?
0: (laughs) Did (laughs) he?
2: Okay, calibrating. Vulva's plowed. Oi! Who's gonna plow this vulva? (laughs) Struth! I will station the ox there!
0: Anyway, yes. Thank you, Nick and Anna, for excellent performances. Thanks! Folks, if you like what we're doing here... Or if you want to if you want to make us stop doing this, and this is the way we're holding it new hostage, um why not support the show? Specifically write in this is a donation to make us not do one of these again. www.patreon.com forward slash dead ideas pod, uh, where you can get your portrait drawn in the time period and culture of your choosing, farmer or shepherd, it's up to you. So Also, it.
1: we have just registered ww.slugs in the wet field in Brandon's <laughs> domain name as a host for Elamite slash fanfiction.
2: Yeah, um, so far I'm the only contributor, but I'm hoping that a bunch of you who aren't terrible with
0: the written word will start, you know, stepping up to the plate. (laughs) Let's get some Hammurabi and Zimri Lim action going on. (laughs)
2: Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) All right, so next week we'll be back with one of our Wildcard episodes, and then after that we'll be back with a topic that I'm excited to finally dive into we are—we've f- been referencing cryptically the business, business nuns nuns! all Woo! time, and we're finally going to do it. So, see you in two weeks for that. I'm BT Newberg, and this is Dead Ideas. Volvos.